You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Hey, it's good to be in the house today. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you today, the message. Uh, I really enjoy baptisms for the specific purpose. This is a unique time in their lives that you got to be a part of, that we get to share in this special time in their life. And it, don't take that lightly. There are significant events that we all have, and that's one that they went through. So it's just the joy to be there and to be here to watch that happen. Uh, Pastor Andrew, several weeks ago, asked me, he said, Hey, Roger, would you be willing to share uh, on our series of messages, uh, one another, on relationships and share with it about marriages? Now, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I meet with marriages all day long. But I don't want to just zero in on marriages, okay? But I do want to focus on that. It's important. But I want to uh, share some things on relationships in general. Now, have you ever had God wake you up in the middle of the night? About two days before Andrew asked me to share, I, God woke me up in the middle of the night and the word that kept going through my mind was interact, interact, interact. Now, we are preparing for our marriage classes, okay, building a, a better marriage that begins this Wednesday, okay, and we meet in the great room where we have in the past. If it gets too big, we may have to move out of there, but we want to welcome anyone who wants to learn more, a little bit more about marriage and what it takes to build a strong, healthy marriage. If you are considering marriage in Koinonia, we require you to go through those six sessions, those th six classes. But it's not just for people that are thinking about marriage. The last time we did that class, we had a couple in here that had been married 40 years, and they came to take that class because they wanted some insights, and they weren't even from Koinonia. They came from another church, and then they were so encouraged they wanted to take that to their church and begin to share it there. So it's kind of exciting when you see God using and bringing other people within the community to come and to build stronger marriages. But this word interact kept going through my mind, and I got up real early, and then the Lord began to, to I like acrostics, okay? I think kind of in word pictures. And so these concepts started coming to mind using the word interact. And so I showed it to Andrew. I said, hey, Andrew, what do you think about this as an outline? He's like, oh, whatever you want, man. It looks good to me. Now, that would mean there's eight points, okay, that I've got. I can't do eight points in 30 minutes here, okay, because I like to get you out a little early, okay? Unlike Pastor Andrew, who always goes right up to the end, you know, I want to get you out a little early, so I can't do these eight points. So I want to share just real quickly what those points were. If you want more information, you can come and join us on Wednesday nights uh, for the next six weeks. But the I in interact, okay, if you're going to have a healthy relationship, you've got to invest in each other. In a healthy marriage, you've got to invest in one another. How are you doing that? And if you broaden it and just in the church in general, people in our community, how do you invest in one another? I uh, was at, my wife asked me to put uh, together a barbecue and it was a a kit, and you had to put all this stuff together. Man, it took, I have a master's degree, and Harley could barely get that thing done. It just really was beyond me. And then we had a, a shed to build, and it had three huge boxes and just so many 
directions of what had to be done. I'm like, oh, man, I don't think I could do this. And my wife says, no, you're not going to do it. <laughs> she said, you need to get somebody else to invest, okay? To, and so I asked Anthony Costa. I don't know if he's still here. He's here in the first service. And, hey, Anthony, can you give me a hand? He's good. I can help you with that. My wife's like, yeah, let him do it, okay? He will get it done right. You need people. We invest in one another. We encourage one another. I had Nick Chaplin help me do a, a thing on the patio, our backyard patio. We get people to invest. That's, that's part of the body. That's part of what God wants to do in our community where we encourage, we invest in one another. The in and interact is you've got to negotiate through life together. There are challenges that come up, especially in our current days. There are challenges that come up. You guys have got to learn to negotiate together, to, to depend upon one another, to get through the challenges. I depend upon my wife to help me negotiate as we do life together. You've got to trust each other's motivations. Do you trust each other? Do you trust your spouse? Okay. Do you know one of the things that, that builds trust is to validate one another's perspective? Not you give your perspective, my perspective is the right one. Can you listen and validate their perspective? If, you, if the other person believes you have their well-being and heart, not just your own, they will trust you. What is it going to take to build trust in your marriages? What will it take to build trust in our current culture, in our current society? We, and I have scriptures to go of all these. If you guys want them, you can come to the Wednesday night class. The E in this is we've got to engage in activities Together, we've got to do things together. I have a, a group of guys that come to my office every Thursday morning. Bruce Hotchkiss, um, John Blackburn, and Ernie Drury, they come to my office every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. And we pray together. You know the prayer requests that are given in here? We get a list of those, and we lift them up. We intercede. Those guys are intercessors. Man, we do this together. We engage in activities together. Do you remember in 9-11, 2001, 9-11, when the World Trade Center when it was, do you know where I first heard about that? Because I've asked, people have said, where were you when that occurred? Do you know where I was? With Bruce Hotchkiss in prayer on Thursday morning. That's when we found out. One of the guys came in and said, hey, do you know what's going on? I mean, we've been praying together for a long time. We engage in life together. Those guys are a support system. I, I love having them in my life. You need those kind of people in your life. The R, you've got to respect each other's perspective. Do you respect your wife? Do you respect your husband? Do you respect people at work? Do you respect your neighbor? Do you, okay, we're going to build community. We're going to build relationships. You've got to learn to respect one another. Acknowledge, the A in this, acknowledge each other's strengths. I believe that God has created us as unique individuals. You have gifting that is unique to you. My wife can organize chaos. Okay? She has this ability, this gift. And so when things are crazy, I'll ask her to come, hey, help me get this put together because she just has that strength. Man, I, I depend upon her. I, you want to acknowledge each other's strengths. The C in this is you've got to Celebrate memories together. Celebrate memories together. Men, don't forget your wedding anniversary. Okay, now I say that tongue in cheek. My wife and I, for the, the first several years, we celebrated our anniversary on the wrong day. <laughs> uh, we were actually at 
my in-laws, my wife's parents' house, and they're like, what are you guys doing? Why are you here? Oh, we're out celebrating our anniversary. It's today. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, today's a, they went in, they got a newspaper from back then, and they, they showed on there that our, our anniversary was the next day. Okay, and we have been, my wife and I, uh, this month, will celebrate 45 years. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, back then, <laughs> at least if you're going to celebrate on the wrong day, do it together. Okay, <laughs> you're, you're in less hot water when you do that. Uh, the T the in this is you've got to touch each other emotionally and physically. It's important to, to touch one another, touch one another's emotion, touch physically. We do that as a church. Even, even here, when people come forward for prayer, we will ask, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? Do you mind if I anoint you with oil? Do you mind if I touch you? Because it's important. There's something that's imparted with touch, but you want to do that accord with their blessing to do that. But in your marriage, too, don't forget to touch one another emotionally, physically. If you're going to have a healthy marriage, if you're going to have a healthy relationship, you've got to interact. You've got to interact. So those are the points that I wanted to originally do, but I changed my mind, okay? And then I went to a portion of Scripture out of Colossians that a lot of people will refer to. And so I want to take the message today out of Colossians 3, 17 through 21. Now, you'll remember last week, uh, Andrew was talking, he and Carrie, and Andrew was uh, taking scripture out of Genesis and where the woman wants to control and the man wants to dominate. And he talked about the hardness of the heart and how that affects the hardness of our heart. I have another concept that I want to share with you that I hear over and over, and I think it is the number one problem in our society, in the world. I want to share it with you, but Satan does not want you to hear it. And he will try to do anything to thwart it and get you to not listen to it. I think this one concept is very important. You've got to grasp this if you're going to have a healthy relationship. And I'll tell you in just a second what that is. So get your pencil out because you're going to want to write it down. In Colossians 3, 17 through 21, it says, And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you say, needs to glorify God. What is outside of whatever? Nothing. He is saying here, everything you do, everything you say should glorify God, should be done in the name of Jesus. Everything. Uh, and if you had a conflict, an argument in this last week, was God glorified in that? Okay. This is what he's talking about here. Everything you do, everything you say needs to glorify God. That is hard to do. That is really difficult to do, to glorify God in everything that we do and everything that we say. There was a, a, a man who, in the early 1900s, was moved by God. This man was a college graduate. He was, had a successful business. He was a teacher doing very well. And God began to prompt him that he wanted him to change his life goal. He wants him to do something different. 
but he's successful. He's doing what he's doing to, in God's presence, and he wants to glorify God. But for five years, God began to prompt him. God began to move upon him. And this man wrote a song that's in a lot of hymn books. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. You know the hymn? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Everything you do and say, you surrender it all to God. The man's name was Ju uh, Judson Van Deventer, moved by God. And you can tell in his words, for five years it took him before he made the decision to really surrender it to God. You can hear it in his words. He writes, all to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. Can you do this? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. This man came to the place where he made a course change, and he went into the evangelistic outreach. He surrendered his life fully and was willing to do and go where God wanted him to do. And it was at that time that he wrote that song. And there is a man in the early 1900s that heard that song and was moved by it, and it helped to, I've read, it helped to shape the decision that he made to go into evangelistic outreach. Some of you may have heard of him. His name was Billy. Billy Graham was moved by this song, and it happened to take him into the realm of giving to the Lord. Can you hear it? All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all. Do you, do you think God is bringing us to the place where he wants us to surrender everything? Uh, that's easy to say in here. I was really moved by the young lady that read out of Revelation, okay? And she read that portion of Scripture that says, I would that you were either hot or cold, but lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. God is not looking for lukewarm Christians. Ooh. He is looking for people that will surrender all to him, who are willing to everything they say, everything they do to glorify God. 
You ready for that, church? Because I think God is looking in this time, in these difficult times, he's looking to let his light shine. The word says where the darkness abounds, the light much more abounds. When you let the spirit of God rise up within you and you choose to follow after him, God's going to open doors. He's going to place you in places. But the enemy does not want you to do that. The enemy wants to render you ineffective. And how can he do that? And here's the word. I believe that this is the thing that Satan uses more than anything else, at least in my office in the last 25 years that I've been counseling. It's selfishness. Selfishness. I want what I want. I don't, I don't want what God wants. God needs to come in line with me and give me what I want. And all of the arguing that comes into my office stems back to selfishness. All of the negativity, all of the things that takes us, the lukewarmness, you know what will cause you to be lukewarm? Being selfish. I want what I want. I asked my wife, hey, what, is it, what does it mean to be selfish? And she went online and, man, she came up with 35 things on what it means to be selfish. Okay, I, don't, I can't read all 35 of them, but here's a few. Tell me if you identify with any of these. You may be selfish if you cannot be happy for someone else. You may be selfish when you're not willing to compromise. Ooh, it's all about my agenda. You may be selfish when you complain too often. You may be selfish if you have an unbending schedule. I'm not willing to change my schedule, friends. My way is the important thing. You may be selfish if you always think other people are wrong. You may be selfish if you think rules don't apply to you. You may be selfish if you only do what you want and are inconsiderate of the wishes of others. Here's one that I see a lot. You may be selfish if you play the blame game and won't consider you could be part of the problem. Man, how many couples come in, it's all you. It's about you, okay? You're not giving me what I want. And they, they want to play what I call the blame game. Okay? Selfishness will keep us and hold us back from being what God has called us to be. God has mighty plans for the church, but he can't do it with lukewarm believers. He's looking for people who are willing to, in everything they say, everything they do to glorify God. Okay, now we're going to continue on in our portion of Scripture there out of Colossians 3. It says, wives, and I'm going to use the S word, submit yourselves to your husbands. Man, how many men have I heard come into my office and use that as a weapon? The Bible says that you need to submit to me, that I am the authority, and you need to do what I want you to do. You need to submit. It's what God's word says. As is fitting to the Lord. Hallelujah. I, uh, I think submission is broader than that. James 4, 7 says that we need to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. To submit, that word, the Greek word means to willingly place yourself under the authority of another. And he's saying you need to submit to God. Place yourself under the authority of God. 
uh, in Romans 13, 1, it says, let everyone be subject. It's the same word, submit. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. How many of us complained and argued and about the things that the government was imposing upon us, especially the last two years, and lots of negativity and complaining? Uh, can you submit? I may not agree with it, but I can submit to it. The governing authorities. That's what God is looking for. Hey, how about in Ephesians? Okay, we use that scripture that wives, you need to submit to your husbands. He's talking to the church in Ephesus and he's using the same analogy that wives need to submit to their husbands. But right before that, in Ephesians 5.21, it says you need to be sub subject or submit to one another. Husbands and wives, you need to submit to each other in the fear of Christ. Ooh, to submit. You're going to be put in positions, whether it be at work, in the community, in the church, wherever, where God is calling you to submit, to willingly place yourself under the direction of someone else. When my wife and I were first married, uh, we, we were married and 10 days later, later went on tour with the celebrant singers and we traveled different places of the world. The first uh, leg of the journey was throughout the United States and did a little bit in Canada and, and Mexico. And so, man, that's not hard to submit to the leader of the group as we went there. But then we decided that we're going to stay with the group. And the next year, we were planning on doing two months in India. Okay, we're going we're gonna to share the love of Jesus throughout India. And so we're preparing for that. And then the, du the director who we had to submit to said, hey, there's been an opening, and I believe that God wants us to go to Iran. Tehran, Iran. And I, we're going we're gonna to go there, and we're going to sing to the glory of God in Iran. Now, you all need to know it's illegal to go into Iran as a Christian. And we're going in there to share the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, and we're going to submit to that? Okay, and I'm like, God, if this is where you're taking us and this is where the leader says we need to go, I am willing to do that. I'm willing to submit. Do you know what really got hard is when we got to the airport, we landed in Tehran, Iran, and we had to go through customs, and they're going through all our luggage. The military, they have semi-automatic weapons going through our luggage, just flicking stuff out of our suitcases, okay? That's kind of frightening because the only place I've ever been out of the country is Canada, you know, and to Tijuana. And here we're in this place. It's illegal to be a Christian. They're going through these, the, with these weapons through our luggage. And Donnie and I, we were the first ones to get through. So the uh, director, he says, Roger, go out there and tell the people that are waiting for us, our hosts, that we're a little bit delayed, okay, that we'll be there as soon as we get through customs. And I'm like, okay. So I go out there, and the front of the airport is all glass and there's just thousands of people that are out there and I look out there and here's this banner to God be the glory welcome celebrant singers <laughs> and it's illegal to go in there as a Christian oh my god I'm gonna get shot okay you gotta submit 
Okay, you learn to submit. You're put into situations. After we traveled uh, and we did that, we came back, and I was soon hired here uh, at Koinonia. And I came on and I began to work with the kids here at, at Koinonia at the church. And we put together a team of kids. We call them Koinonia kids. Now, these kids all had to learn to submit to me as the leader, and we're taking them out, and we actually took them. I have a video clip. Guys, get ready just in a second to play this. I have a video clip. Now, this is a home movie, okay? So this is really rough. Plus, it's 35 years ago, okay? I've been on staff here a long time, okay? And, and the, the kids had to learn to submit. The, the point that I want to make with you is don't take kids for granted because God has a calling on their lives. There was one young lady here in this baptism, but in the earlier service, there was like four or five kids, you know, that were, don't take that lightly. God has a call on their life. And so these kids, the Koinonia kids, had to learn to submit to me as a leader. Uh, I want to have a little bit of fun. and Let's just watch about a one-minute video from back then. Some of the kids would like to share with you some of the things that God has done. I've asked Andrew if he would come forward. Take this mic right here, Andrew. If he'd come forward and he'd share a miracle that God did to him. When I was born, um, I had a problem with my ears. My ears drums would pop and drain out infection or fluid. So I had to have two operations to put tubes in my ears in order to drain the fluid out so my ears wouldn't pop because every time my ears would pop they would leave scars on my ears. When I was ready to go in for a third surgery to put permanent steel tubes in my ears, I and my dad just prayed and just expected a miracle from the Lord. Before I went into surgery, I, I and my dad went to the doctors and asked him, if I, my ears were okay. And the doctor said they were fine and they've been just as good ever since. We don't want to listen to that guy that's about to come up there, okay? Um, now, Andrew's going to kill me for that. <laughs> oh, um, at that time, Andrew had to learn to submit to me as the leader but don't take lightly because now I choose to submit to him because of where God has brought him to. Um, submission is very important. Can you learn to submit to one another? Can you learn to encourage one another? Can you learn what God wants to do in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships? He says, be subject to one another. Submission. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word love, gape, is the word um, that, that means to put the well-being of the other above your own, to give to their well-being above yourself. It's the opposite huh, of selfishness. The opposite of love is selfishness. God is love. Satan wants to use selfishness, my own agenda, to get 
to compromise so that we don't achieve what God has for us. But we make ourselves almost God by, I want what I want, and God needs to submit to that. It means to place the needs and the well-being of another above yourself. The, another word would be benevolence. Benevolence for each other. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved agape he gave. True love is thinking of the well-being of others and investing and giving of yourself for their well-being. So if we were to look at your relationships at work, would we see love? God is calling us to love. He's calling us to love our neighbors. He's calling us to love each other as spouses. Colossians 3. Say we're, we're looking at Colossians 3, uh, 17 through 21, but if you look just a little bit earlier in verses 12 through 15, it says, Therefore, as God has chosen people holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, grievance against someone forgive in the same way God forgives you and over all these virtues all these qualities he says put on love charity which binds them all together that love is what binds all those positive qualities together into perfect unity it says let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. God is calling us to love each other. If I was to come visit you in your home, would I see that? In the way that you interact with your spouse? The love? It's what God is calling us to. He says, I'm not looking for lukewarm Christians. I'm looking for those who are called out, sold out, willing to do all to glorify me. I believe that's what God... I wonder this morning, is there anyone that has a hard time submitting? Do you have a hard time submitting? Okay. Um, do you have a hard time loving your neighbor? Do you have a hard time loving others? Is it difficult for you to do that? God is calling us to surrender totally to him. Can you really apply that? I surrender all. All? The third thing he says in that portion of Scripture, he says, Children, obey your parents in everything. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. You all need to obey your parents. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So he's saying that we need to teach our kids to obey, but do we need to obey? Second Corinthians, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with 
are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Church, do you hear? He's, he's saying in there, I want you to take every thought in your head to be obedient to Christ. In, in the Colossians, it says, I want you in everything you say and everything you do to glorify. Everything you say, everything you do, every thought you have needs to glorify God. How many of you can do that 100% of the time? Man, the enemy wants to come in because if I can get you to compromise, if I can get you to focus just on yourself and what's in it for me, what's going to benefit me, it will cause you to become lukewarm. And that's where Satan wants to keep us in a lukewarm status, not really sold out to the Lord. God is calling, especially in these difficult times. He's looking for a people who will surrender all to him. There's a story in the book of Samuel. Samuel was the high priest during the time of Israel and the kings of Israel. And the first king in Israel was Saul. And Saul was about to go into battle against the Amalekites. Okay? And he wanted to know if God's hand of blessing would be upon them as they went. So he asked Samuel, Does God, is God going to be with us? Will he give us this victory. And Samuel, he went to the Lord and God told him, he said, yeah, I'm going to give him the, the, the victory, but you need to tell him to take nothing from this city. No hostages, no contraband, no nothing. They are a wicked people. They need to just be covered. Okay. And so he tells Saul, God's given this to you, but you're to take nothing from it. And so Saul says, okay, we're going to get ready to go. We want you to come and offer a sacrifice for us before we go into battle. So they're all waiting. The armies of Israel are there. They're waiting for Samuel to come and to offer sacrifice, but Samuel is delayed. He doesn't come. And then Saul's getting anxious, so he's, I'll offer the sacrifice. And so he offers the sacrifice to God. They go into battle, and they have a great victory. I mean, they just take, wipe this, this city off the map. But they spare the life of the king. They keep the strongest animals. And they take some of the gold and silver contraband. And then they get rid of the rest of the city. And so as they're coming back from this great victory, here comes Samuel. And he approaches Saul. He says, what have you done? Ah, oh, we, just, we just had this great victory. He says, what is the neighing of sheep I hear? What, what is the sound I hear of these animals? Oh, it's the animals from that city. We brought the healthiest ones back for you, okay? So you can offer them a sacrifice to God. We did this for you. Aren't you, aren't you happy for us? And then this scripture stands out. This is chapter 15, verses 19 through 22, and it says, Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. 
I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. I brought back Agag the king. The soldier took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. I did this for you. Samuel replies, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? Then he says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. God is not looking for gifts that you give. He's not all that impressed with things that you might do that are going to be... He, he's looking for obedience. God is looking for obedience. He's looking for people who are willing to submit to one another. He's looking for people that will love in the same way that he loves. He's looking for people that will obey. Where are you at, church? I think that God, there's, there's dark times that we are in, but the Bible says where the darkness abounds, the light much more abounds. God wants to do incredible things now. But he needs a people who are obedient to him, not out for their own agenda. If you're truly going to have healthy relationships, you're truly going to have healthy marriage, you've got to learn to submit to one another. You've got to learn to love one another. You've got to learn to obey God. Can you identify with any of those, church? Okay. Let's stand to our feet. I wanted to end a little bit early because I do want to give time for people to come forward and to really express before God what they need to surrender because God is looking for a people who are willing to obey. He's looking for us. Where are you at, church? Are you going to be honest or will you harden your heart because God gives us all a free will? You choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord. Father, we just now pause and we just release your spirit. We release your Holy Spirit right now to touch the hearts and lives of those who are here this morning, that you brought them here for a reason, Lord God. And some part of this talk, this teaching has touched them. And I pray, Lord God, that you will move in their lives and their hearts because you want the church to rise up. You want to equip the believers to do the work of service, but we've got to do it from a right heart and not for our own agenda. Father, I pray for these that are here today. I just release your spirit right now. Release your Holy Spirit right now. Whether they're in this building or whether they're watching online right now, Lord God, your spirit would move and that you'd begin to prompt and you bring conviction, Lord God. You would bring us to a place to where we can fully honor you with all we say, all we do, and everything that we think. May it glorify you. We pray this and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at casinghamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.